In the years following Dean Smith's retirement in 1997, the tone in the Carolina-Duke rivalry had shifted dramatically toward the bad guys. Mike Krzyzewski led the Blue Devils to three Final Fours in six years, bagged another NCAA title, and went on the most successful stretch that any rival had ever had against the Tar Heels, winning 12 of 14 matchups from 1999 through 2003, including all four meetings in the ACC tournament. Enter Roy Williams. It wasn't immediate. Roy's clubs lost in excruciating fashion in each of their first three tries against Duke. But Coach Williams flipped the script. Propelled by the dramatic 2005 Senior Day victory, Carolina won seven of the next nine contests against the rivals from Durham, went to three Final Fours in five seasons, and brought home not one, but two national championships. While the heels were on a historical heater on the court, the winningest four-year class in school history, new title banners, a Naismith Award winner, a Cousy Award winner, Carolina also picked up one of its greatest wins off the court against Duke. In November 2009, seven months after hanging his second national title banner at the Smith Center, Roy Williams landed a very public Skype-announced commitment from Ames, Iowa standout Harrison Barnes, the number one prospect in the nation. A massive recruiting win over Krzyzewski. Many saw this as a knockout blow for Duke, with Williams having completely taken over upon his 2003 arrival in Chapel Hill. While I can't find the image all these years later, I specifically remember one reputable college basketball publication running a column featuring a takeoff on the famous Ali Liston photograph. This one with Roy as the victor and Coach K as the fallen challenger. But you know, life is funny. And the rivalry pivoted again just as it seemed Duke was at its most vulnerable. Behind a core group that had taken several lumps together, a scrappy Duke team took advantage of a Carolina rebuilding year and surprised a lot of people, not by winning the ACC in 2010, but by rebounding off the mat to capture their own NCAA championship months after being written off by the pundits. How could this be? Roy had vanquished the demon, hadn't he? Well, it takes a lot of work to kill a vampire, and there was obviously some more work to do. The incoming recruiting class of Barnes, Kendall Marshall, and Reggie Bullock, hyped as one of the best ever, would join big men Tyler Zeller and John Henson as the guys tasked to do the deed. The team swapped victories in 2011, but Duke took the spoils, running away with the ACC tournament final. However, it was Carolina and not the Blue Devils who wound up a game away from the Final Four before coming up short in the final minutes against Kentucky. The Tar Heels brought everyone back the following season and were the preseason favorite to bring home another national championship. But along the way, they had another matchup against the Dukies. February 8th, 2012. A chilly Carolina night in the triangle with the temperature hovering around 35 degrees at tip-off. The Heels carried a 10-point lead into the final two and a half minutes against the Blue Devils at the Smith Center. Then, a series of inexplicable events happened. In order, Tyler Thornton hit a three-pointer. Carolina turned the ball over. Seth Curry clearly got away with the travel while hitting another three-pointer. Barnes was called for a questionable charging foul. A Duke air ball was deemed to have been deflected by Henson, resulting in Duke getting the ball out of bounds. Ryan Kelly captured a long rebound and hit a jump shot. 
79% free throw shooter Tyler Zeller made only one of two free throws. Zeller tapped an airball three-point attempt by Duke into their own basket because he got shoved in under the basket by one of the worthless Plumley brothers. Zeller then missed another free throw. And then Austin Rivers hit one of the most famous shots in the rivalry's history at the buzzer. All of that happened in sequence. And at one Tar Heel fan's house, friendships were immediately hanging in the balance. I'm Mike Watson, and this is the Wine and Cheese Girl. All right, we've got the first guest for the wine and cheese crowd. I've got, I don't have my wine. I do have some cheese here that I will partake in as the discussion goes along, but I would like to welcome in. Guy I have known for, we were just talking off the air, 20 years now. Or what, is 20 years? It's close to 20 years, dude. My God, we're, we're old, man. We are we old. Very, we are insanely old. I was in high school when we first met. My God. Um. Tar Heel that I've known for almost 20 years now, and one of the best guys I know, Eric Creech. How are you doing, buddy? I'm excited to be here, Mike. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, I don't have the wine or the cheese. I do have a bottle of water. It'll have to suffice. So all apologies to Sam Castle. Um, <laughs> Castell, ever how he pronounces his last name, I don't care. Um, but excited for this subject, for, uh, for our shared history and to being a Carolina Tar Heel fan. Just excited to see where this conversation goes. Well, you were you were excited when I announced my project that I was working on, and I said, you know, I told myself, you know, th- there's there's a few a few people that I already had in mind that I wanted to talk to for this. I didn't want to I didn't want to bring out I didn't want to bring family into it yet because that right. those conversations are going to go just absolutely insane. I figured if there was somebody, I might be able to, you know. You, like who used to say it on, on Sports Center? You can't stop me. You, know, you can only hope to contain them. Was that was that, was that Stuart Scott? Was that Stuart Scott? I can't remember now. One of those guys. One anyway, of those guys. I might yeah. be able to contain you. So maybe so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No promises. No promises on that. Um, I gave you a very, very, very high level outline of what we were going to talk about today, and like I told you, I think the details. Uh, that tie the three questions that I that I presented to you together uh, will will make this fun. Number one, how did you become a North Carolina basketball fan? Who, so, who introduced you? How to happen? So my story actually starts before I was born. I love it. My Carolina fandom starts about four years prior to me being born. My aunt, my aunt Diane, uh, got accepted to the University of North Carolina in 1981. As a freshman. Oh, wow. Um, do you know who else was part of that freshman class, by the way? Oh, man. Was, was anybody of note? I, I'm not sure. Oh, someone definitely of note. Hmm. How about his I have to think on that a little bit. Michael Jordan. Who? Michael Jordan. I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. No, he's an actor. Uh, he was in uh, Creed. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, that, that guy. That's right. Oh, that guy. <laughs> No, uh, Michael Jordan was part of that freshman class uh, incoming with my aunt. She shared classes with the guy, um, freshman, you know, freshman intro classes with uh, with him and a couple other. Uh, I don't know who the other Tar Heels uh, freshmen were that year. Um, my mom, mom went to go pick up my aunt after freshman year, got into an elevator. She tells the story every chance she gets. Some guy jumps in who's like a foot and a half taller than her. It's James Worthy. <laughs> um, you know, she's riding an elevator and she's freaking out the whole time. 
Um, but my aunt was a student at UNC. Um, and so when I was born, um, it, that was basically where it started was with her. And, um, I remember very vividly one of the very first memories shooting basketball on the side of the house when I was like four years old. And I remember telling my aunt, you know, I really like Duke's colors. That's a really, I I like that color blue. And my aunt stopped shooting basketball and said, no, we don't root for Duke in this house. We root for Carolina. We're (laughs) (laughs) And as a four-year-old, I was like, you know, like, you know what? You're right. We do root for North Carolina. We do root for the Tar Heels in this house. And there's never been a question since. Um, I barely, barely remember the 1993 national championship season, but I do remember my favorite player from that early era from my young age. I loved Dante Calabria. Oh, the hair. Oh yes. All the hair, all the three, three point shooting, everything. I loved his game and I wanted to emulate my basketball game after him. The problem was I was given an Eric Montross body. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I remember my dad, as he did, he coached all my rec sports. Uh, we were playing, I was playing on a church basketball team and all I wanted to do was shoot three pointers. And my dad's like, no, you're our center. You're the tallest guy on the team. You're going to be our center power forward. And you're going to stand in the basket and you're going to make these easy two point buckets. And it was very boring to me because I wanted to be like Dante Calabria. And I remember one instance where we were playing another church and they were, they were short. They only had four guys. And my dad's like, you can pick any guy on my team. And they said, well, let me get the, you know, the tall kid. So I had a Carolina Jersey that I I kept with me. I think it might've even been a Montrose Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. There was a lot of double zeros back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was double zero. Yeah. And so I grabbed that Carolina Jersey and changed that. So I could, you know, have a separate color from my team since I was being loaned up to the other team. And all I did for the first five minutes of that game was jack up three pointers and missed every single one of them. <laughs> My dad had to pull me over to the side and said, if you shoot one more three pointer, I'm pulling you out of the game and you're not even on my team right now. <laughs> so, um, but I, I fell in love with Dante Calabria. I fell in love with that team. I ended up falling in love with Eric Montross and then just enjoying uh, what he brought to the end, especially since I was supposed to copy what he was doing. Um, and then that led into a greater understanding of the ACC, uh, understanding that the ACC tournament is a big deal when they roll those TVs into the uh, classrooms. Uh, they tell here's the deal: they tell those stories, and, and anybody that watched the, the tournament on ACC Network, that's a shoot. That's a shoot. They, Absolutely. They, they, yes. If you lived in the Carolinas, they literally brought the TVs out on cart. They this is this is not an exaggeration. No, every second Friday in the ni- in the 1990s and the early 2000s, they rolled a TV on a cart, and from 12 o'clock until 3:30, when you got let out of school, and then that night you had ACC tournament Friday, and that's all we did was watch. We would tie it in with education somehow, you know, keep track of how many rebounds they make or how many shots they take. But no, we were the, we lived in North Carolina, right in the smack dab of the uh, the greatest area for college sports, where here in the Triangle. So yeah, we watched. That's a shoot. Anytime they talk about that on in, in any kind of medium, I tell my students now. I'm a teacher now, and I tell my students, this is what we did back in the day. I rolled in a smart board this year, like on Thursday, because that's when you have your your you know your top seeds play on Thursday. Yeah. And it's not yep. the same, but like this is what we used to do, guys. We used to watch this, in, you know, instead of doing classwork. Um, so that, that led to a greater understanding that led to one of my first, uh, teams that I loved, which was the 97 and the 98 Tar Heel teams that had Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, 
Shaman Williams, Ed Coda, Adam Oda, Ed Coda. Uh, That 97 team had Serge Zwicker, Zicker, Zwicker, um, whose name I still can't pronounce after 20 years. <laughs> um, we had Matt Tarjai, who is the creator of the greatest sign ever held up at a Final Four. Yes. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so many just so many great memories. And then as I got older, I just kept diving further and further into the rabbit hole. And here I am, I'm 35, I'll be 36 this year. And my love for Carolina sports, Carolina basketball in particular has never waned. What's the earliest game you can specifically remember? Like, like as far as a a, a moment around it, around a game. Yeah. Specifically, it was the, it was a loss. It was the 95 ACC tournament loss to Clemson. Oh, no. Yeah, that's the, 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 the McIntyre and Buckner vividly remember, remember, yeah, the, Mac, the Terrell McIntyre game. Um, I remember we – I was playing uh, Little League Baseball was starting up, and my dad was the coach, and we had just gotten our jerseys in. So I was rummaging through to find the jersey I wanted, and the game was in the background, and I remember Clemson hitting that last-second shot to shock us. And I remember just being so mad. I threw the jersey box down on the ground, and just stomped off to my room. Was it um, was it a dunk or a layup? I believe it was a dunk, it was a wasn't layup. it? I think it was. Well, no, well, it was somewhere right there. I mean, it was close enough. I think it probably was a dunk. But I remember it was a baseline it was, cut. That's all I remember. Baseline cut. Yep. Let's see, um, let's see. Here's my story. I, I remember that game. I didn't watch that game. We were on a we were on Junior Beta Club uh, overnight stay that night and we were doing other stuff and I was trying to keep up with the game, but all my friends were doing, I was like, I can't watch the game. All that. So when I, when I saw the highlights on sports center later, I was just a shy. Couldn't believe. Yeah. Um, it's sad. Like I, I have a lot of good memories of Carolina basketball, but some of my earliest ones are the ones that I am just, I was just mad about. I remember the 1997 final four loss. Um, that was to uh, Arizona. Yeah. Um, I remember very vividly the 98 loss to Utah because that was the first weekend WRL meteorologist Elizabeth Gardner had started at the station. Her first weekend was that Saturday we lost to Utah. And I, I just remember like she showed up after the game because it was on CBS and that was WRL's um, station at the time. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, they were introducing her, you know, we have our brand new media. I'm like, I don't care about this. We just lost to Utah of all teams, Utah. And uh, I mean, that one's way up the list for me. It's that was a horrible loss. Yes, I mean because I we knew because we, we, we knew you, we knew the band wasn't coming back together. Oh no, that's the thing. I mean, you knew even I was twelve at the time. Uh, no, yeah. I was eleven at the time. Excuse me. And um, we were—I knew we were lucky to have gotten everyone back this year. And we were just—we were so super talented. And I knew this was our chance. Um, and I really wanted the win. I mean, I wanted to see a win for myself because again, I remember the '93 vaguely, the '93 championship. But I wanted to actually experience it as a child um, and have a good memory of it. And I felt like for two straight years, we had it in our grasp and just let it roll away. And uh, knowing that we weren't going to – Shaman was graduating, knowing that Carter and Jameson were going pro, um, we were left with Okalaja, we were left with Ed Coda and um, some some other guys coming down. I believe Jason Cable came in in uh, the next year. Yeah, that was first. Lane came in. We had Haywood, who was coming off the bench then. Um, I want to say was it uh, Brian Frederick, uh, who was kind of playing like the three at the point. That point? yeah, yeah, yeah. Frederick Frederick um, was coming off the bench too. Uh, Although he didn't get a lot of time PT in uh, ninety eight, but ninety nine yeah. changed. Yeah, everything changed in ninety nine. Yeah, everything changed, and um, 
So I remember just being so disappointed, mainly because I knew we weren't going to see it for a while. Um, and not knowing, I mean, I respected the the mess out of Coach Guthridge, but not knowing how long he was going to be around, these are things that I didn't fully understand as a, as a child. But I knew, well, Coach Guthridge looks as old as Coach uh, Coach Smith. Yeah. So he, he's probably not going to last that long. Um, and then, yeah. So those are some bad memories I, I remember, but some of the good memories, I remember the beatdown of Duke in, in the ACC tournament 98, I believe it had a shirt, 83-68. I mean, I remember yeah. the school. Um, I, I mean, I remember all those big wins as a child. Um, and then as I get older into high school, I mean, the one that obviously stands out the most to me is that 2005 victory on uh, senior day, the Marvin Williams put back dunk. Um I was at a, a friend's house that day and uh, we were, he wasn't really a Carolina fan or, you know, he's just a, just a fan of basketball in general, but we had people watching it on a TV in the kitchen and we had someone, people watching it in the living room. And it was like a two second delay on one of the TV. So you'd hear people cheering in one room and then you'd see uh-huh. why two seconds later. But um, so that's what happened with the Marvin Williams thing. He went through the duck. I heard cheers coming from the kids and I'm like, what's going on? I look at the TV and he just goes and puts it back in. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to win this game. Like we were down. Uh, what were we down with? Like eight points, seven points. It was, it was, it was nine. It was 73, 64, three minutes. Yeah. 73, 64. And we came back and won the game. 75, 73. Um, 11 0 run to end the game. What, yeah, 11, uh, yeah. Until, until, until the final four, that was the greatest Carolina winner. <laughs> And that includes that's the, and that includes national championship game. Th- th- that game meant more than a national championship. Not be- not just because it was Duke. Yes, Duke being is a massive part of it, which plays into what we'll talk about in a little bit. But yes. just what that win meant for Roy Williams, what it meant for the program, what it meant for the seniors on Senior what, Day. What it, it meant was for just Jawad Williams. Yes, Melvin the perfect Scott, storm. Jackie Manuel, who st- who went freshman year with Matt Darty and went eight and 20 from eight and 20 to winning a national championship that year was special. Yeah. Um, I remember that all the talk, uh, Illinois had a fantastic season that year and all the talk was team versus talent. And that, that was all everyone would talk about is it the best team going to win or is the best talent going to win? And I remember thinking that's ridiculous. We have the best team and the best yeah. talent. And um, I mean, the shutdown man, like Billy said, yes, tremendous, so tremendous. And I I just remember I was a freshman in college that year, 2005. I had just begun to date my college girlfriend, literally like the week before that. And I remember talking to her that night before the 917 tip off, I'm sure it was. And I was like, yeah. I can't talk on the phone long. I have to get off the phone at nine o'clock because Carolina's playing in the national championship. He's like, Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm dead serious. Um, like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> you need to understand this is this is a part of who I am. And you know, this is you know, I'm not necessarily going to say that they're more important than you, but this is a part of who this is part of what you're getting. Um, and that's how it's been. You know, Carolina basketball, Carolina sports in general it's not necessarily that we're fans. We are fans, but in a way it's encased in our DNA. It's encased in our blood. It's part of who we are as people. Um, it's not just a rant, you know, it's not like I'm a fan. It's not like I'm a fan of Carolina the same way. I'm a fan of like the Charlotte Hornets. I like the Charlotte Hornets. I want them to do well, but at the end of the day, if they lose, okay, 
If you mean when, right? Yeah, when they lose. <laughs> okay. But right, when so- Carolina loses, it takes a while to recover. I've done more, I've done well with it uh, as I've gotten older, but um, there have been times in my life where Carolina loses and I'm a jerk and I'm just, you know, I'm I'm not, I don't handle it well. Um, I'm I'm sure you remember this, and you may even remember me telling you the story. Um, the Austin Rivers game. Oh God. I'm at my house, you know, I've got two friends over, neither of whom are, um, are Carolina fans. They're both state fans. One of them was living with me at the time and another was just, you know, hanging out. Well, Rivers hits that shot and the guy who didn't live here, like literally like pumped his hands up, like in celebration, like he was glad we lost, um, which he would be. He's a state fan. I mean, that's, that's what state fans do. Exactly. Well, they do. I mean, because be they have they have no wins of their own to celebrate. They have to celebrate everybody else. Not in the past 30, 30 years. I mean, <laughs> at this point, 40 years. So um, so I literally just looked at him and I, I pointed to the door and said, get out. It's February like 6th or whatever. North yeah. Carolina, it's probably 30, 25 degrees outside at 11 o'clock at night. I say, get out. He walks and gets out. I go and lock the door. I go to my bedroom. And I'm just, I'm furious. I'm human. And then I get a text message from my roommate. Who's like, Hey, your buddy uh, left his keys in here and he's been sitting outside for 40 minutes. He wants to know if he can come in and get his keys. He's like, he, he wanted to tap on your window and ask you, but you looked really mad. So he went around to the backyard and tapped on my window Tremendous. Um, but he literally sat out there for 30 minutes and he didn't want to talk to me. And that was kind of a wake up call for me. It's like, okay, am I taking this too seriously? And the answer was, yeah, I probably am taking this a little too seriously, but at the same time, it's Carolina basketball and it's, it's a part of life. It's, um, you know, I, I've learned how to handle losses a little better than that uh, in the 10 years since then. Um, but that's just Carolina basketball. Unfortunately. I mean, that's you, you, you live with it uh, with, with the wins and you live with the losses um, and they both stay with you for a long time. That's and that's one of the reasons we get along so well. Because when I was younger, I did not take losses well. That one, the Austin Rivers game, I stared at it. I turned the TV off because I knew Sports Center was going to lead with the game. I turned the TV off. I literally stared at the blank TV, and I'm this is no exaggeration for forty minutes. Wow. And and Wendy was like, you know, are you okay? And, and this is one. And, and again, you talked about how how other people interact with you. This is one of those things. This is why I want to do this podcast because I want to learn how other people interact. Just, just those dynamics, those social dynamics, because 10 years later, she understands me a lot better than she did in 2012 when she didn't know if like I was physically okay. As I stared at a blank television screen (laughs) after Carolina (laughs) lost a basketball game. Why does it mean so much? And, and, and you mentioned that, you know, that, you know, you took you took that loss so personally, and, and and told a friend to get out in the cold because of how he reacted to the end of that game. Why do and you say it's in the it's in the DNA? Why do we act like that? what triggers that? Why is it so personal? And like you said, it's different than cheering for the Hornets or or, or, or whoever. I don't I don't understand it myself. I want to have I'm doing this podcast because I want to understand it more. And you live in the triangle. Yeah. I do, I haven't I haven't lived in the Carolinas since I was 10 years old. So it's different for me out here. I don't have that daily I've got to deal with these jerks 
every single day. I've got to deal with the Duke fan in the cubicle across the way. I've got to deal with the state fan down the hall or whatever it is. I don't have that day-to-day interaction. You fans back home mm-hmm. have to deal with the other tribes. And that co- makes a completely different dynamic, a more heated dynamic. For sure. Um, how do how do your loved ones deal with your fandom? How does that how does that affect your relationship? And let me throw this out, and, and this will probably lead. What are your game day rituals? What you know, Woody oh, Durham wow. says, go where you go, do what you do. Do what you do. Yeah. And I think we all have those rituals, good luck charms, and whatnot. I wore somebody somebody overnighted me a Carolina blue cowboy hat to the final four because it was a good luck charm. And I was <laughs> I was just trying to be the bearer of good luck. What are your rituals? What are your good luck charms? So uh, for me, it's not necessarily like the good luck charms. It's what happens during the game yes. that, de- that determines, you know, what I'm doing. Absolutely. So if Carolina gets off to a bad start, I'm moving seats. I'm going to go somewhere and watch the game from a different part of the house or a different part of the living room or whatever. If they're off and they're shooting great, no one moves. No one moves at all. Like we'll move at halftime, but right now you got to stay seated until like it's, you know, I tell, um, I, I borrow this quote from the office. I tell my fiance this all the time. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um, <laughs> and uh, she has found that out this year. Um, you know, she was not, she was not a sports fan necessarily. I have converted her to a sports fan. She is a football fan now, um, but she didn't fully understand until the first Duke game this year um, where I was like, you're going to have to forgive me. Um, and hopefully you'll understand, but you know, I might may seem a little different tonight and this because this is the Duke game. So like we need to be in place. Um, and, you know, just like uh, ESPN did all season, there was another game that overran. So we had to find it on ESPN news for the first 10 minutes. You know, uh, time, out, time out real fast. Let's just talk about that real fast. Yes. Because this always happens. And yes. so, so the fact that it happened during the, the second, you know, famously happened during the second Duke game, you know, uh-huh. Krzyzewski retirement. Hilarious. It's happened for years. It, there's no, it's, I swear there's never a game that ends on time. So the Carolina game always gets bumped to another channel or you're just waiting when they got the score down at the bottom. I don't know why they fixed this. It's one of those frustrating things ever. But nevertheless, you, continue. You, you would think ESPN, who's been in the college basketball business since their inception in 1979, <laughs> um, you would think they would have figured out this out at some point. They instead, instead, I watched um, – an hour of F1 racing the, earlier this oh, year. God, let's not talk about um, that. Oh, instead my. of Carolina basketball, until they finally <laughs> figured out, oh, wait, Carolina's playing. We need to put that on something other than the ESPN app, which allegedly, I think, because some people couldn't even get it on the app. I tried getting it on the app. I got it on the app on my phone, couldn't get it on the app on the TV. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what I think that's what I ran into too. I couldn't get it on the TV, I could get it on my phone. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the little things that happen near the game that really determine what those things are. I was usually wearing a Carolina shirt uh, during the tournament this year. Uh, I was actually, uh, I went to the Carolina Syracuse game senior night this year. Um, got a great deal on tickets on February 22nd. They were $22 a piece. Uh, so me and one of my card night buddies, we hit the road uh, that last Monday in February, caught that overtime game. And at the end of the night, I stopped yeah. by and I bought Carolina hat, Carolina blue hat, Nike hat, and this Carolina basketball shirt, which unbeknownst to me, this is, you can't make this up. I didn't look at the back of it because I figured it was white. But no, it's got Montross's name and number on the back of it. 
So oh. I was like, I've, I've come full circle. Okay, here we go. Um, but I've I wore this shirt for the second Duke game. We won it. So I wore it for every tournament game until the final four. I, for the final four, we had a trip planned to go to Washington, D.C. And oh, that's I, right. You told me that. So I, I packed a um I packed another Carolina blue shirt. I think it was my Carolina football uh, Mac is back shirt. I wore that the night of the Duke game, and I was worried to death that, okay, I've jinxed us. I did not bring my Montrose shirt, and I've jinxed us. But it worked. So I wore that Monday night uh, for the Kansas game, and, um, you know, the less said about that, the better. But um, it's it's little things here and there. I'll usually have some Carolina equipment on during the game, but also during the game I'm – keeping notes of hot and cold runs. And if we're, if we're hot, we're staying still for cold. We're moving uh, until we find the right spot. And you do, you do know that is insane behavior, right? Oh, it absolutely. There is no, because I do the same thing. There's no logic, but it makes sense in my head, but it's like, obviously if we're sitting in the right spot or wrong spot, that is obviously not affecting the game that's happening in Chapel Hill or new Orleans or wherever the game is being played, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. No, it's not affecting it, but you know, it's, it's mentally psychologically, it makes sense. You feel like if you don't do this, then you've let your team down. And going back to kind of what you were saying, like, you know, how, you know, why are we like this? You know, I thought about that. And to me, it all goes back to the idea of what Carolina family is. And I know that's, you know, something that we refer to uh, all the Carolina players, you know, they all go play pickup games in the summer. But I do think it extends to parts of the fan base as well. Um, Dean Smith is the greatest basketball coach ever. Um, not just for what he did on the court, but the the lessons he taught off the court. I I point back at, you know, his movement and his rights in the civil rights movement and how he really took a chance in in that time to make a stand for what was right. And when asked about it, he said, I don't think you should stand up and take a bow for doing what's right. You just do what's right. And that's a lesson that stuck with me. I wasn't alive then, but when I read about it, I was like, you know, I remember I read about it in John Feinstein's book, A March, uh, a March to Madness, that came out uh, after the 97 uh, basketball season. It was a good book. And it's a fantastic book. Uh, highly recommend for anyone who's a fan of ACC basketball. Even though yeah. even though Feinstein's a dookie. is a really, really, He's really, a dookie, really, but, you know, we'll cut us aside because he writes really good books. He's fair. He's yeah, fair. He is very fair. But um, I think about what, what Dean Smith represents. I think about what Roy Williams represents. I remember um, – Whenever I was working at the pharmacy uh, in college, in a little after college, um, the owner's wife had passed away at some point, and they were big Carolina fans. I think the owner had went to Carolina uh, School of Pharmacy or whatever, and they got a handwritten note from Roy Williams, just uh, you know, wishing them um, well. And you know, oh, wow. I mean, it was just stuff that he doesn't have to do, you know. And I know other yeah. coaches probably do stuff like this, and I think. If you ask a Duke fan, they're probably going to say Mike Krzyzewski does stuff, and maybe he does. But in a way, we're we're so into it because we feel like an extension of the family. And yeah. when someone takes a shot at our family, we're going to defend them. It, it means more to us. So, I mean, I, I think that's what it is in our heads. And, you know, psychologically, we are looking at the, this uh, Carolina 
athletics, Carolina basketball in particular, as that's our family. Um, did you watch the movie, the uh, the Jimmy Fallon movie, Fever Pitch? No, I never did. I I, I thought it was, I, I I heard it was bad, so I never watched. It's it. not great, but he explains, you know, why he has such a love for the Red Sox. You know, he said, "This is my summer family. This is my summer home. These the Red Sox were always there for me." You know that that no matter what's going on in life, I know I can count on them 162 nights a year, whether they win or lose, they're going to always come back. And I think about that, and I'm like, you know, that that's how I look at Carolina sports. I know Carolina football is always going to be disappointing. We've seen that script play out many times, but no, no we're not here what, to talk about Carolina football. We're, we're not. To positive note. Yes, but regardless. They're going to be there 11 nights, uh, 11 Saturdays a year or Thursdays. Carolina basketball, the same way. On a random Tuesday night in February, no matter what's going on in life, I know I can flip on that TV and watch my team. And they're going to come back. Um, they're always going to come back, even when they have bad years. And we've seen it. They're always going to come back. They're always going to lift our spirits. Um, that's the deepest answer I can honestly give you is that they're family. They're, they're, they've got your back whether they know it or don't. Um, you know, even as a – I'm a 35-year-old man who who rooted on 18, 19, and 20-year-olds this year um, and left the fate of how I was feeling in their hands. So, no, it doesn't make sense, but that's what it is. We, we, we protect them. We, we get so into it because they're family. You mentioned the 1998 ACC tournament final. Yes. Carolina beats Duke, 83-68. Um, what uh, you can't answer the final four besides that one. What's your favorite Duke game ever? And yeah, and you mentioned the 2005 game, you can't mention that one. You've already can't mentioned that, that one either. Okay, know. so there's a couple of contenders. Um, the first one that immediately comes to mind is the first Carolina Duke game from 2019, the Zion oh, no. blowout game, because <laughs> I had heard all year how Duke was going to kill us and just obliterate us. And I don't care that there's probably an asterisk beside this game because Zion blew out his shoe in 30 seconds. Yep. We won that game after all the hype that Zion, RJ Barrett and Corey, um, whatever his last name is, cause you know, who, he's not relevant now. I can't remember the, um, I can't remember the third guy. Yeah. Yeah, he plays. He went. He went to the Hawks. Now he plays for the Knicks, and he's not relevant now. Anyway, um, they had three top ten, top eight NBA draft picks on that team, and I don't care that one of them got hurt. They still had two more on that team, two more than we had on that team, in my opinion, if I remember correctly. And we went and won that game, and by sixteen just, points, by the way, by sixteen points. It, was a yeah, it wasn't even close. The score was yeah. closer than it actually was. So I think of that, and that just that gave me vindication. Like the, the, I, that, that was, you know, the last seven or eight years of uh, Carolina and Duke has been a, a tale of two cities where Duke is getting all these one and done players and Carolina through all their troubles, you know, in the mid two thousands, they're getting a bunch of three and four year players, which is not a bad thing. I love no, it personally, but I we're too. not getting necessarily the best talent, but we're getting the most out of that talent every time. Whereas, Krzyzewski's not getting the most out of his NBA talent. And that was vindication to me. They have 
or three superstars who were top eight picks, and they couldn't beat old little Carolina who has none. The, um, the fun, the funny part about that game is it was the ESPN hype. That was the best. That was the best part about it because I mean they they hyped that they were going to have a camera on Zion the entire game. They they were going to have Zion cam. Yes. And the fact that it blew up in ESPN's face literally in the first thirty seconds. And I'm not wishing injury on anybody. Zion was a hell of a fun player to watch. I I, I don't hate. I don't hate the dude. Oh no. The fact that it blew up in ESPN's face in the first thirty seconds of the game was highest of high comedy. That that might be the reason it's so sweet, like you said. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's sort of plays into ESPN it. was the the hype machine all year long, just like he, they were this year for Shostakovsky, um, who you know it's about the kids. By the way, it's about the kids. No, absolutely. Um, it's not about the, me. It, it, the other contender I have is the 2006 Carolina Duke game at Cameron. JJ <laughs> <laughs> Redick and Sheldon Williams senior night. Now, I grew over the years to begrudgingly respect J.J. Redick as an NBA player and respect some of some of his opinions. Now, he had one this past week that came out that was about Bob Cousy that was, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have given you that respect. But, um, but as a player, he, you, you tell me in a line – if I'm wrong, you tell me if I'm wrong – in a line of seemingly – all you're just so punchable Duke players, he might be the one that you want to punch in the face the most. You just answered my next question then, but keep going. I mean, I know for some people it's Leitner, but Leitner was right there at the cusp of my, you know, knowing about the rivalry. For me, it's Redick. And then maybe before that, Wojo. You have J.J. Redick, who just became the the ACC leading scorer. They want to go on a long run. And we are trotting out Rayshon Terry. We're trotting out David Noel at the four. Um, former football player David Noel. Yes. Um, who uh, one of my favorite players of all time. But then it was like, oh, you know, David Noel, who's playing the four here. We're trotting out Bobby Frazier and Wes Miller. Wes Miller, the former walk-on yeah. the year before. And then some guy named Tyler Hansbrough. And we go in there and we ruin senior night. The same way we ruined Coach K's last home game at Cameron, the same way we ruined his last Final Four game, our last game ever, we ruined senior night. And it was sweet, again, not because, not just because it was Duke and not just because it was Redick and Williams and these guys who just tormented us for years because they were really good players. Really good, um, yeah. I mean, Redick was a really good player. He was very, very good at falling down, too, but he was a very good three-point shooter. Throwing that leg um, out. Yeah, yeah he, I feel like he – if he didn't invent that, I know he really accelerated its use. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Um, and again, we come in with a bunch of guys who, you know, I mean, Wes Miller, again, walk on. Ray, Ray Terry, who was on the team, never saw minutes the year before. Bobby Frazier wasn't even supposed to be the, go- the, the starting guard. That was supposed to be Quentin Thomas. Uh, God bless him, um, who was just hurt that all that year, but didn't show a lot of promise the year before as a freshman. Senior year, senior year Q was the man. Senior year, he came through. And I, man, I, love that dude. I love, love, fell in love with him then. And then Tyler Hansborough, who was the most promising player on, on our team at that point, but he was just a freshman. And we went in there with a bunch of guys who shouldn't be starting, but were starting through circumstances. And we ruined Duke senior night. Um, and it's all, it goes back to just vindication, you know, just give us our respect. Because I feel like Duke doesn't give us that respect, especially when they have these really hype teams. They feel like they can steamroll everybody. They don't really take anyone seriously. And I feel like time after time and after time again, we say, no, you're going to take us seriously or you're going to lose. 
you're there in the triangle besides Duke. Least favorite rival is it state? Is it somebody else? Like, and, and it doesn't have necessarily be now, but like all time. It probably is state just because of the proximity. I mean, it's more the state fans. Now, I'm I'm blessed with some friends who are state fans who they recognize the reality of the situation. But when you listen to sports talk radio here in the triangle, 99.9, the fan shout out the yep. Joe Abuse and Joe Giglio, um, you listen to them and you hear just such delusion um, coming from some of these fans. And if people think what we do is ridiculous, then they take ridiculousness to a whole nother level. Probably is state, but I'm going to give a, um, an underrated, you know, shout to a, a program that I respect, but I just hate that we can't get over the hump. I'm going to say Kansas. Okay. In a sense, just because we have not been able to beat them since Roy came home. We've lost, we lost to him in 08. We lost to him in 2012. And, um, in 2013, too, we had the, we had the lead on him at halftime, oh, the second 13. round game in Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was with Stillman White, right? Or was that the year before? That was the year before the year before. 13 game. That was Marcus's freshman year. Marcus, Marcus's freshman year. Okay. And, yeah. and, and PJ be shooting. PJ Harrison. Wow. Um, PJ be shooting. Um, we, we didn't get the job done against them um, this past year. Um, so, like, that's just the, that's more of a not necessarily a rivalry. But just a frustration that, okay, we should be able to beat them at some point. I felt like we should have – obviously, we should have beaten them this year. But I just think we ran out of gas. And who knows what would happen if Baycott didn't uh, hurt hurt his uh, his leg again on the slipping board there, the mysterious phantom slipping board there in the Superdome. Yeah, exactly. Just frustration that we can't beat Kansas. If I had to go somewhere else within the ACC, the past few years, Florida State's just been a thorn in our side. I know we beat them this year by like 15. We did, deserved every bit of it. Um, Leonard Hamilton is someone who just doesn't age. The man's been the same age for 30 years. I, I don't know. The same age. He's gotten younger over the he's past. Got, he's gotten younger. I mean, I, I used to joke to some friends like back in the mid 2000s, like him and Art Shell look like they're just, they've already died. They're just someone told their bodies. But then somehow Leonard Hamilton, he's 20 years older and he looks younger than he did in 2005. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Ham's great. But nothing comes close to to Duke. No, nothing will ever come close. Even State, who wants to be, who wants to be relevant, I give them the relevance because I love the rivalry. I love it, but it's not a competitive one yet, um, and it hasn't been competitive uh, since before Les Robinson. It's been um, a long time since it's been any anywhere near. I mean, balanced. I mean, even the year we went time. eight and twenty. I mean, I I think we beat state one one time, one of those times. You know, um, yeah. Like, I think um, old Herb Sendek, he might have been the only coach who's actually got close to figuring it out at some point during that time. But even then, it wasn't really that. It wasn't really him figuring it out. It's just the fact that our team didn't figure it out that year. So they beat they beat the ninety eight team. In Chapel yeah. Hill, that's that's how Duke wound up the one seed in the ACC tournament is because yeah yeah Duke won the regular season finale to, to which is one of my least favorite games of all time the the yes. the, the image of Wojo running into Shashevsky's arms it's one of the most vomit inducing college basketball images you'll ever ever see but the yeah. only reason that game was for the regular season ACC title is because State beat Carolina the week before in Chapel Hill in one of the most inexplicable losses of of, uh, of that little era. Yeah, it, it was definitely – there was another um, – I felt like there was another uh, game that – in the 97-98 season that just came out of nowhere. 
Maryland beat Carolina. Was Mar- it was the Maryland overtime loss. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, in uh, in mid January, I think we lost yep. uh, by six in overtime um, at Maryland. But yep, other than it was that, the part. Uh, but the state game, yeah, that was a that was a stupid loss, and and we won't talk about Utah. But um, but yeah, I mean, state. I want state to be good, and I, I'm re- one of my hopes is that with Chesky gone, I don't necessarily know how successful John Shire will be. We'll find out in the first two or three years. Um, but my hope is that maybe state will figure it out and make this rivalry fun again, because I'm not saying I want state to beat us, but I do want them to be competitive. You know, I want it to be, I, I, it's getting boring taking their lunch money every time, you know, like I want them to put up a fight. I mean, we still want to take the money, but we won't at least want to make it fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the reason, the reason we bask in the victories over Duke is because Duke is relevant. I mean, highest end relevant, oh, yes. love them or hate them. Uh, it, it means something when you beat them. Uh, State, it, it hasn't done that, and I'm with you. I want them to improve the program, step up, and and let's and let's make this you know let's make it mean something when the two teams play outside of just the triangle. It's a huge game of the triangle, huge rivalry, no doubt about that. But it it, it needs to mean something again, and and, yeah, and maybe and maybe they can find it. Maybe maybe with like you said, with the chefs get out of the way, maybe they can grab some of that airspace and sort of you know and, and rebuild. ACC basketball will always be at its best when the triangle schools are the teams that are the teams to beat. 100%. 100%. You know, throw in some Wake Forest in there. Throw it. Honestly, at this point, any of the original ACC teams, and I'll include Florida State in that since they were a team back in the 90s that had been a part of it then, any of those eight remaining ACC originals before we started going all half ACC, half Big East – I want them to all do well because that's where my fandom of basketball started. I want to see, yeah. I want to see Clemson be relevant again, you know, take, you know, if Rick Barnes wants to come back and take another slab, slab five, you know, up against us, then go, go do it. I want to see the days of Bobby Cremins. I want to see, um, you know, Virginia's held up their end for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I want to see these, uh, these programs get it together because, that's the ACC. The ACC to me is not Boston College. It's not Miami. Um, it's not Virginia Tech. Uh, it's these schools. It, it's the core. And I think ACC basketball uh, benefits greatly when it's those teams that are at the top. I agree with that. I, I will say this. Of, of all the, the new teams, Virginia Tech really fits in the league. I, lo- I love how they fit in the league. That being said, I really do wish that we'd take the the, the football divisions and do the old, the, the original ACC and all the new teams. I, I want to split out what I want. It like. I think it would make sense, honestly. I mean, I'd hate we'd have to play Clemson every year, but I think it would make sense. It would it'd be no, it it make no less sense than the Atlantic and the Coastal. That is true. That, that is doesn't true. make any sense. It makes so, no I mean. sense at all. None at all. So you're you're not wrong there. I just want the ACC to be relevant. I want UNC to be relevant um, in all sports, obviously, but basketball's this is a basketball podcast. And I, you know, when it comes to ACC, I think the ACC looks better when Carolina's on top. Final, final question. Final question. Let's do this. Duke final four, 81 77. Greatest, greatest Carolina win you've ever seen. Yes. Okay. 100%. Tell me, tell me about, your experience watching that game and how the celebration partook. So uh, as I alluded to earlier, I was in Washington, DC. We were in a uh, a hotel room about 30 minutes South of DC uh, in Springfield, Virginia. And we, I had already told her like, if Carolina makes the uh, tournament, 
whatever we're planning to do in DC, we got to be back in time to watch that game. I guarantee it'll probably be the nine o'clock game. So we went to dinner that night in town. We got back. We'd ridden the metro back from DC to uh, back to Springfield. We went to grab a grab a meal in town. We got back to the hotel. I got dressed in my Carolina gear, um, and we're just sitting on the bed. And I'm just I'm shaking. Like I'm just with just nervous energy. And she's just watching and she, you know, she's just, she's kind of laughing. My fiance, she's just kind of laughing and she's like, you okay? I was like, I'll be okay when this game starts. I'll, I'll be okay. It's like, it wouldn't be like this if it wasn't Duke. Like I'd still be nervous, but it would be an excited nervous. But yeah. the one thing I've said for years, I've actually said two things. I said, I never want to see a Carolina Duke game in person because I don't think I could handle it. And I never want to see Carolina Duke play in the Final Four because we, if we lose that game, we'll never hear the end of it. And I don't. Hey, but real fast, I'll tell you, I said the same thing. I survived. Now they yeah. won. Yeah. That might be part of why I survived, but I survived. Yeah. So if I could do it, you could do it. That's true. That's true. I need a guaranteed W, though. So, yeah. Um, so the game starts and it's a good game. It's a fantastic game. It was a very, game. very, very good I mean, basketball. My game. Good, Especially like, consider all, how many times you, know, you get a game hyped up like that. And it doesn't it, live up to that. It, it was yeah, a very, very it good delivered. Basketball. I mean, um, the Carolina UCLA game to me might have been just a tad better, like in terms of actual basketball game. But I would it agree had, with that. But it had none of the storyline coming in uh, that the Carolina Duke game obviously would have. So that gives it this wasn't game it edge. wasn't college basketball Armageddon. This was exactly. Um, do you follow Tate Frazier on Twitter? By chance? I sure do. Love Tate. Okay. You you know his uh, his theory the race to sixty nine race to sixty nine yep okay we were down like sixty eight to sixty two yep and I, I looked at I it was like four minutes left five minutes left and I was like I don't know if we I don't know if we have it I don't know if we have it and I'm preparing myself well then we go on like a seven nothing run and we get the sixty nine first and I looked at Ivan I was like we're gonna win this game Caleb got like, Caleb why? got the scoop in the yeah, lane he got he got yeah. the scoop yeah. And she's like, why do you say that? I was like, we got the 69 first. She's like, is that some kind of juvenile thing? I'm like, no, no, no. This is actual, like, statistical math. 93% of the teams who get the 69 first win the game. Yeah. Kate Frazier actually did the math on they it. They did the math, yeah. Um, the funny thing is we got the 69 first Monday night, two against Kansas. And lost. Well, exactly. So, but then we go down again, and then we're trading baskets back and forth. And just haymakers. The yeah, final the final, Literally just that game slugging it out at each other. Yeah. From there on, I think it was Williams, Mark Williams. He he, uh, he gets fouled and misses both of them. We get the rebound, and then Caleb hits the three. Did we have clinching three throws at the end of this one? No, Caleb made those two. Okay, Caleb made those two. Okay, yep. um, he hits those those to put us up a little. It was out of reach. It was more than one possession at that point. Yep, and. Whenever they they shot, they missed. We I th- RJ got the rebound. RJ grabbed the rebound. Yeah, he dribbled it out four seconds. I looked, I looked over, and, and I just jump up. I'm on the third floor of this hotel room. I'm jumping up and down. You know, every bit of me. I'm a big guy. I'm surprised the hotel didn't call and tell me to settle down. I'm whooping <laughs> and hollering. Ivy's got a recording of me celebrating. Oh no, I've not released. And I'm like, and I look at her. I was like, we get to play one more, babe. We get to play one more. She's like, are you excited? Like, I'm so excited. There's tears coming out of my eyes. I was like, we don't have to play him ever again, but we get to play one more. We get to play one more. Um, it was, and then that night, like, she fell asleep very quickly. I'm watching Sports Center. I want to see post game. You can sleep. Absolutely. 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 No, I couldn't sleep. 
Um, knew we had a big day the next day uh, in D.C. We were planning on going to one of the Smithsonian's. Couldn't sleep. I wanted to watch all, all the post-game stuff. Um, I wanted to watch I wanted to watch Krzyzewski, see what he said, because last time I'm going to get to see it, so let me go ahead and see it now. And uh, absolutely. Um, I want to see Hubert. I want to see the guys. I'm scrolling Twitter so I can catch some of that. Um, I don't think I fell asleep until like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. The game was over like at 10.30. Yep. Um, but I, I was just – I was amped. I was hyped. Um, not only because we survived college basketball Armageddon, but because we got to play one more, a team, an eight seed. And I've been saying this all tournament. Once we beat Baylor, it was house money. Absolutely. We, you couldn't tell me anything. If we lost to UCLA, well, we weren't supposed to be there. If we had lost to St. Peter's, we weren't supposed to be there. If we had lost to Duke, we weren't supposed to be there. I wouldn't didn't want to lose that game, but we weren't supposed to be there. You were supposed to beat us. And yeah. when we lost to Kansas, I wasn't upset. I mean, I was disappointed that we didn't win and we had a shot to win, but I was satisfied with the way the season ended because we weren't supposed to be there. We took a team that was the bubbliest team of all bubble teams uh, in mid to late February, especially after dropping that home loss to Pitt of all yeah. teams. And we turned this season around. Hubert Davis coached his rear end off. Brady Manick became legendary in his one year. Bang, 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 Brady Manick. Um, I mean, it became a team that, I mean, you showed me your shirt that you had gotten the mail, the Iron Five. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Shout out to Mama Cornette for the birthday. Yeah. And I've got one on the way that just says, um, just like RJ and Baycott and and Lee Uh and Brady. Yeah. You know, I've got one on the way that says that, but this is going to be a team that I remember for the rest yeah. of my life. The way we survived the hype. I, I go back to what Hubert Davis put on the top of his practice plan the week they played Duke at Cameron. And he had this on the top of his practice plan every day. It was a biblical verse from Proverbs that said, Do not be distracted by, or do not lose your focus and be distracted by sideshows. Um, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's the gist of it. He recognized what this whole Coach K retirement tour was. It was a sideshow. And our guys bought into to Coach Davis at the right time. And I just – it's a team I'll never forget. It's, it's, it's one of those teams that's going to be up there in the, in the Carolina fandom lore. Um, the same way that Marcus Page is going to be one of those players that I never forget just for the way he single-handedly brought us back to, to, uh, to tie that Villanova game. Um, back in 2016, I named my dog after Marcus Page because of the way he portrayed himself in four years at Carolina, but the way he ended his season. It was a heartbreaker, but I'll never forget Marcus Page's contributions to Carolina basketball, and I'll never forget the Iron Five for their contributions to our fandom and to this rivalry and to the history of what Carolina basketball is in general. Marcus Page grabbed an offensive rebound surrounded by five Villanova Wildcats and got a put-back layup. It's, it's one of the, everybody remembers the shot, mm-hmm. but the offensive rebound in the put-back is one of the greatest plays you'll ever see that nobody talks about. I still yep. have no idea how the hell he did it. No idea. Pure force of will, and that's what, it. What, what more can you ask for? Though? And, yeah, yeah, the national championship would have been great. Oh. Those, those kids literally left everything on the court. Every bit of There's nothing left to give. You cannot ask for any more. What a ride. Any last thoughts? Anything you want to plug? A couple of things. One, I just uh, want to thank you for having me on here. I know it's – I love Carolina basketball. Um, it was my, one of my very first loves in life, and it's something I'll, I'll carry with me. Uh, just as the fight song says, I'm Tar Heel born, I'm Tar Heel bred, and when I die, I'll be Tar Heel dead. 
Um, and that's something I'll carry with me forever. Um, would like to plug my podcast. Um, if you're interested in pop culture, nostalgia, uh, anything of the sort, uh, I co-host a podcast called What the What. And uh, we're in the middle of our 90s season right now. We're doing uh, all episodes on 90s themed uh, stuff from our childhood. Uh, I think uh, the first week in May, uh, we'll have the Mighty Ducks uh, podcast come out. We're doing a 90s movie draft later uh, in May as well. Um, but we have over 115 episodes uh, in our archives. Just find our search for What the What Media, all one word. And we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you get your podcast. And uh, just give us a rate, review, five stars. If you give us four, we're inclined to believe that you are a hater. <laughs> Hey, you, you're talking to the Mighty Ducks. I'm, I'm in on that. It ain't worth winning if you don't win big. So, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, Mikey. I appreciate it, man. I uh, hope this podcast grows. Um, hope you're able to do some really cool things, but I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks, man. Go Tar Heels. Tar Heels. Tar Heels.